Today's episode of My Views Are My Own was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. Now, in my life, I haven't always been able to do this, but today I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to speak my truth. If you want the best audio engineering that you can possibly find, go to williammitchellaudio.com. My guest today is Megan Lambert. Megan Lambert is a master certified intimacy coach specializing in helping committed couples reignite their sex life and single women open up to love to find their life partner. She's the host of Touchy Topics with Megan Lambert podcast, focused on sex, love, and desire, as well as the Life Led by Desire Facebook group for women. She facilitates rising women's retreats in Bali, as well as private couples intensives. Prior to starting her own company, she was an executive leadership coach and facilitator for Fortune 100 companies, helping thousands of leaders become more purpose-led, mindful, and ultimately more effective. She currently lives in Bali with her partner, James Mattingly, and two adorable puppies. Hey, Megan. <laughs> Hi, Doug. Uh, I feel like I kind of uh, mangled that bio. I was, I was just trying to read. So. <laughs> no worries. It's so funny. It's such like an official sounding bio. But um, Well, yeah, that's I'm actually uh, where I was going to start off with saying this to um, part of that was that uh, <clears throat> this uh, is a pretty unique podcast for us because uh, you'll be the first person uh, that I've had on the show that I'm meeting for the first time on the interview. So if I sounded a little stiff in the beginning, I was like, this is what she does. And I'm like, you know, not uh, doing any kind of like ad libs. Uh, <laughs> but also uh, it's unique because, uh, you know, you live in a different hemisphere. So I guess this is the, the beginning of your day, maybe, or close to it. Yeah, pretty much. It's 10 o'clock here in Bali. And so my day is just getting started. Yeah, this is like uh, basically the last thing I'm going to do before I go to sleep. So like, we're like on totally, I guess maybe you're, you're in tomorrow. Yeah, I'm in the future. <laughs> it's already awesome. over here. <laughs> you're the first time traveler I've had on the uh, podcast as well. Wow, honored. It's a beautiful future, I have to say. I, that's what I wanted to ask. Uh, how do you like living in Bali? I love Bali. Yeah, I, um, my second day I came here, I was just like, why don't I live here? I was living in Northern California before, which was amazing, but there was something really special about Bali where it's like, it's a hub of all kinds of entrepreneurial, personal growth, biohackers, conscious seekers. So it's really cool awesome. place to be. Um, so I guess uh, it's kind of like near Indonesia and maybe that's, is it kind of like the Hawaii of Australia? Is like those kind of like, are those, I'm, I'm just kind of guessing here. I don't, I don't know much. In some ways, yes. In some ways, maybe not. Uh, it's equally tropical and equally lush, natural jungle beauty like Hawaii. And I think maybe there's some overlap. To me, Bali and Hawaii both feel like very feminine places. Like they're oh. beautiful, lush. There's a certain softness in the air. And um, I think maybe that's part of why I was drawn here. Did you ever see uh, the movie Moana? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love. <laughs> like I, when you said that, that's the first thing that came to mind was uh, the, mo the movie Moana with uh, like the uh, the goddess and like the whole you know that was her quest was to go uh, awaken the goddess. So, mm -hmm. so no, yeah, that's, that's you know, not where I meant to go, but yeah. I was just kind of like you just brought that to mind. 
Um, <laughs> so they have beautiful beaches. Yes. Yes. Beautiful beaches and just a really interesting community here. Like both the Balinese, they're very, um, they believe in like the spirit of the earth, the spirit of plants. They do things around the moon cycles. Um, they're based in like tight knit communities. So there's a lot of really interesting values that I think we've lost in the West that are over here. Absolutely. And then yeah, the expats that are drawn to live here are um, pretty alternative, radical, and interesting people. Cool. Cool. Um, have you like maybe caught like any Balinese? Like, do you know like any like phrases at all or? Oh, a little bit. Cool. Um, uh, what's, what's, a, what's a cool phrase? A cool phrase? Well, a basic one you should know is apakabar, okay. which means how are you? And then you answer bike, dan kamu, which is good, and you. <laughs> awesome. That reminds me, uh, on a past podcast, I had a guest that had been in uh, Thailand for quite a while and we were talking about like, I, I think, I mean, they're, they're different languages, but uh, also like there's some similar things with the, uh, with the inflections, mm. how uh, with the language works. Uh, it's not quite as like choppy as like maybe English or German where it's dup, 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 and like, there's like, uh, like what you just did, the like kind of like raising up the I, you know? Yeah. It's a little <laughs> more sing song. I, I think that's not just me, <laughs> but oh, like, no, no, yeah. Salamantag um, is how yeah. they say is good morning. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. yeah. I was having, cause I have, a, I have a lot of ton, a ton of friends from Thailand that live here now. And I always try to ask them to teach me things, but it's always like, it's futile because I can't, I can't learn it. Like, like, you know, I'm just too rigid with my language. So they're always like, that doesn't, it doesn't translate. You're not doing it right. But <laughs> yeah, maybe if you come and live here and you'll like immerse in it, it might be easier. I was going to get into that soon, but I was going to ask you a dumb question first. Uh, okay. Are the beaches there? So they're nice. Uh, are they as nice as Panama City Beach in Florida? Wow, you know, I have not been to Panama City Beach in Florida, but I can only say yes. I, I can know. only agree with you, and I have never been to the beaches in Bali, but I have been to Panama City Beach in Florida. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and actually, in a, in a roundabout way, the fact that uh, you're in Bali is partly how this interview ended up happening, because I was having a conversation about the top 10 places I wanted to visit, and I think... Uh, Bali made it into the top three, probably like in that conversation. And partly that's because most places I want to go are places that I want to, that I can surf, you know, something I want to, like, it's just something that's, you know, when I think of vacations or trips, I'm like, what can I surf? You know? But anyway, I was thinking, uh, uh, that conversation was with Colleen and she told me about you and that you Mm -hmm. live in Bali and a little bit about your career. And obviously I thought that you would be an interesting guest. Uh, so anyway, this next question is kind of like, it's kind of like a little bit broad or whatever, but uh, answer it however you feel like. Uh, but can you give me kind of an idea of what it is that you do or maybe kind of like a synopsis of what your career is? Anything kind of like that? Just because I'm going sure. to. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, I would say that I help people get in touch with their body and their desires and the outcome of that is a whole number of things. So with couples, it often helps them with their sex life because maybe they love each other, they're cozy, but they don't feel like the body-based passion anymore. Um, For single people that want to find a partner, a lot of that I think comes from getting more in touch with, especially for women, your body and your desire and dismantling any walls that you have up around your own vulnerability. 
And then from there, they become more magnetic. And so that's basically kind of the two camps that I work with couples and women looking for partners. Although I do sometimes work with men as well, because I'm pretty good at translating womanese to man language. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> I mean, of course, like men need it too. So like, why not? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm always curious, what are the differences between the genders and the sexes? And how do we better understand each other? I, I used to believe that there was actually no fundamental difference. That was like my my old belief. But mm-hmm. uh, as I get older, I like I kind of think that that was kind of silly, you know. But I mean, like I think that obviously, like fundamentally, we're all humans, and like we're all we're all together in this same thing. But also, I, I do see that like there are a million reasons why it's a different experience for a woman than it is for you know me, you know, and. And so it's, I don't know. So yeah, I, I'm with you. It Sorry, could be that, that old argument, uh, like nature versus nurture or whatever. So maybe men are, um, because of the environment that men grow up in, and what we all grow up in the same environment, but the way men are treated and the way women are treated, <clears throat> that could have a huge effect. But there also could be just like, I mean, this is that's a huge, giant topic. And I wasn't trying to like dive all the way in, but... I did want to get kind of like an overview of what you do. So here's a, here's kind of a question that I think, and this might be like uh, with, when you're talking about like when you're working with the couples, have you ever had a couple that you've worked with where you had to decide like, Hey, you guys should break up. Just. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that decision is never mine to make. Um, yeah. but I will say I have worked with couples where I could see the writing on the wall. And by that, I mean, I could see that the, the, their patterns were really deep. And I didn't, and I was like, I'm not sure you're going to be able to work your way through these patterns while you're still together. Okay. But I guess like, I guess uh, like, how do you deal with that when, I guess from your perspective, you're like, well, this is, uh, this is not, maybe this is toxic or this is not functional in a way that like, it's best that they part ways. I don't know. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I would say one of the best things about coaching is like, And when I work with couples, it's getting more self-awareness around their own um, beliefs, behaviors, and like patterns around how they relate. And so even if I'm at the couple and I'm like, whew, you two, I don't know if you're going to be able to make it through as a couple, um, you can still get a lot of value from coaching because whatever dance you're in with your current partner, if it's dysfunctional and you break up, you're just going to bring that same dysfunction into your next relationship until you be like, wait, how am I creating this? Like, what has yeah. been my beliefs and behaviors that led to this dysfunction? So I still find it useful to do coaching, even if the couple doesn't end up staying together. I wouldn't say staying yeah. together is my goal. My goal is like deeper self-awareness and then more forgiveness and love. I guess it's kind of like uh, you also learn from your mistakes. Is yeah. that kind of like makes sense a little bit? or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, I mean, I can totally agree that I think that... uh having past relationships that were, I don't want to say bad, but like, you know, weren't going to work, like help me like realize like, well, what's going to work for me in the future. So, I mean, I could totally see like where that goes with that. Yeah. It's one of the gifts of relationship. I think is that they, it, uh, another person will bring out blind spots in you that you didn't even know you had. And so like the joke is it's really easy to be enlightened alone. Try getting a boyfriend or a girlfriend and then see what comes out. (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely. Or uh, go on a road trip <laughs> and get <Yeah>. lost. <laughs> yeah. 
<clears throat> uh, here's another. Uh, this is, I would say maybe this is, could be with couples or it could be like when you work specifically with women. Um, but I am curious. Uh, what's the most common issue that people come to you with? Like perhaps like is there is there maybe something that stands out that this is something that like it's more that, that you know everyone everyone's very complex and everyone's got their own individual uh, circumstances, but is there anything that kind of stands out as like, this is a thing that you see a lot or hear a lot? Yeah, I would say one of the things I'm seeing a lot is a lot of women who are like 33 to 35 coming to me that have been very professionally successful. You know, maybe they went to Ivy league schools, they um, have high paying jobs and are high powered, uh, very achieved women that have achieved a lot but they're struggling and relating with men. Like they don't think that there's a man out there that can handle them. They keep meeting men that they don't think are um, good enough for them. They mm. struggle to be vulnerable. They uh, are really stuck in like judging the men and themselves. And yeah, so I see that pattern a lot. And they're like, gosh, well, I wanted a husband and I want kids. And so I need to work on this now because it's the skills that have helped them succeed in business and finances are totally different than the skills they need to succeed in love. But uh, like, so what's, uh, what can you do about that though? Like if, I mean, if, I mean, I guess, are you saying like sometimes like ambition and drive in one aspect of your life, like, and that makes you successful at your career is also uh, maybe hinders you in like love or, or, or just yeah. uh, relationships. Totally. I like to think about, um, so imagine this woman, right? She's 35. She's been going, going, going. She's always like had a goal in mind and she is focused and determined and accomplished and can like direct people. And she's very take charge in her life and she's uh, certain, right? That's what I would call, she has a very strong masculine side, which okay. is amazing and much needed. And we all have both. But what they're yeah. often lacking is a more feminine side. And by feminine, I mean her emotions, her intuition, her creativity, her um, vulnerability, her, her uh, like sensuality. Often that side of her is uncultivated or less cultivated. And so when she starts dating, she'll take her masculine perspective of like, all right, I'm going to get on Tinder. I'm going <laughs> to get 20 matches. I'm going to go back to back on dates. And then like, you know, I've got my checklist. Do they meet the criteria? And the whole vibe is like, from her masculine. And of course then it's not, she's not as magnetic as she could be to potential partners. I think, uh, that's super interesting because <clears throat> I think what's more commonly, uh, represented and known by people is, would be the, uh, would be the man who is so caught up in his masculinity, you know, and, and doesn't, uh, like the same, like the same kind of like the yin yang, the, the same deal. Uh, but like, that he's not open enough like as a emotionally to be able to be a good partner to anyone. Like that's probably a real thing, you know, like guys that like, and that, I guess that's, that's what toxic masculinity is. I guess I assume like, you know, it's just like that you have to be this character that's been scripted for you maybe by like uh Hollywood or, you know, or just like maybe their father or whatever or culture. Yeah, I, I personally, I like the words immature masculinity and immature femininity because I'm like, yeah. none of us are toxic, right? It's not like you want to behave this way. 
Yeah. But there's like immature masculinity is like domineering and controlling and like falsely stoic. And that there are beauty when those traits are grown up in a way, then they can be like confidently directive and like emotionally stable. And the, that would be more like the mature masculine. Yeah. By the way, sure. there's equally immature feminine, which I think is a little taboo to talk about because we're like, oh, toxic masculinity. But there's also immature femininity, which to me is like emotionally reactive, um, like gets her way by acting victim-y, blamey, whiny, um, uses her sex just to hook men for like love and attention. Yeah. This is like immature feminine. And then all those has, there's mature feminine qualities too. I feel like uh, I have totally done the uh, immature masculinity myself yeah. in my life. And so like <laughs> I have personal experience with that, an abundant amount of that. Uh, so I totally get that, but it's cool to like hear, um, that there's like, there's more to it. <clears throat> and also to hear that like, uh, like, uh, there's an immature femininity. So that's also like, you know, that's, it's something you don't hear much of. Like, does that make sense? Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's not talked about very much because I don't know, it's more in vogue right now to talk about men doing things wrong than women being like, well, there's probably parts of us that need to also grow up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're all in. We're all contributing to this culture, so we're all together. <laughs> but uh, right. that was cool. That was a, that was a brand new um, thing I never had actually heard anyone say ever before. So that's pretty cool. I'm glad to have that on this this uh, interview. What are some signs of an unhealthy relationship that uh, most people don't recognize? Mm. Um, I would say a couple things. One is a relationship where it's constant harmony and you never fight or have any conflict because often that means that there's just a lot of uh, things that have been pushed under the rug. A lot of things you're avoiding talking about or dealing with. I had so one of those once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know from experience. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was doomed to fail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then the other one I would say is like when couples get into these cycles of like really explosive fight come back together, lovey-dovey for a couple days or a couple weeks, and then a really explosive fight, and then come back. And it's like they can't get out of that cycle. Yeah. That's a sign, um, not that they're like doomed to fail, but it's a sign that they probably need support because they can't seem to get out of these fights by themselves. Cool. Um, just for like maybe a second, like, um, so you have a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Touchy Subjects. Touchy topics. So, I'm sorry. I messed that up so bad. Um, no but can you tell me like uh, what it's about and like kind of like what, uh, what, are, what are your goals with it and uh, what kind of guests sure. you have? Yeah. Um, the idea behind touchy topics is to go into taboo territory, um, especially around sexuality, intimacy, desire, and create a space to talk about it in a really open and nuanced way. And so like my last interview was with someone around modern masculinity and the struggles that men face Had an episode around our shame around money. Um, I've talked about what it means to like die energetically. Uh, other episodes around like bringing out the best in men, stuff like that. So cool. that's kind of the flavor of it is like absolutely deep insights on sexuality mm -hmm. and intimacy. I, uh, I heard uh, one clip from your podcast like earlier today and I was like, this is pretty cool. And I just, uh, so 
everyone listening should definitely go check it out. It sounds like an awesome uh, podcast. I'm going to be listening to it. I'm going to subscribe for sure myself. What um, was the clip? <laughs> um, it was about the patriarchy. Uh, you were talking mm-hmm. to, uh, I don't remember Robert. the name of the man, but yeah. it sounded like, like I was just like, oh, I needed, I, my goal was to hear it before we got together and did this interview, but I didn't get a chance because uh, quarantine has been lifted here in uh, Nashville. So it's kind of like back to the grind a little bit. Oh, so oh. I don't know. If it's, I don't, how is that even going on in, in Bali? Is that kind of like a thing or? It's kind of all over. I was strict <laughs> quarantine for six weeks and now I'm kind of like, okay, I want to go out and explore. But now Bali is locked down more strictly until July. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, uh, I'm in a red state. <laughs> so uh, politically, I don't want to get into politics, but politically uh, like states like, you know, I'm in Nashville. So states like Tennessee, uh, are the were the first to open, and mm-hmm. so there's just all kinds of nonsense going on. But we'll see how it goes. I, mean, I I'm not a I'm not a virologist, and I don't know anything about any of that. Hold up, it's time for an ad. Are you tired of pregnancy tests being so boring? <laughs> well, then get ready for the new my views are my own pregnancy test kits. Each pregnancy test kit comes in a variety of exciting colors. And what's even more cool, every pregnancy test comes with a variety of celebrity voice options, such as Sean Connery, Speedboat, Your Pregnant Motorcycle, or even Russell Brand. And don't worry, nature lovers, you can even receive your pregnancy results read to you in whale song. My Views Are My Own Pregnancy Test. Available on myviewsaremyown.com. Coming soon. Now back to the interview. What are the retreats like? I mean, what it's, what's all that? Like with, uh, with Film Rising? Oh, uh, my God. I mean, like, what are like... What are some of the exercises, some of the like uh, experiences? Like, um, I don't know, I guess maybe like just, do you have a cool story? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll just tell you a little bit about why I like retreats first and then I'll tell you a story. So I love retreats because it takes people out of their everyday life, right? Like we're in, we're in our home, you're going to your job, you're doing your thing. Like you, we get into these certain like ruts of being and then a retreat like takes people out of that and gives them space to like quiet their mind, quiet their body, um, restore. And then from there, the big question that these, my Femme Rising retreats are like, what do you want in your life? And so like, what do you want your love life to look like? What do you want your career to look like? Tapping into some of the deeper desires or the deeper calling on your life. And the breakthroughs that people have are profound. And if you've never been on a retreat, like the structure is kind of you know, imagine 15 women in a house in Bali and you wake up and you do yoga and journaling and then you eat like really good food. And then we do coaching circles. So I coach them on like what's coming up for you. And then I have guest teachers come. We dance, we laugh. There's a lot of activities. But really, um, the thing that I would say that changes is the women come away much clearer around what they want in life. A lot of them are in transition, like just gotten married or just gotten divorced or just had a baby or just finished grad school. And they're kind of uh, 
they're trying to figure out what, what to do next. Um, so that's one. And then the second one is just way more confident in who they are. That's I had one of my last retreat participants. I talked to her boss actually after, and her boss was like, I have never seen this person so confident and so sure of herself. That's amazing. And so that's really cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and I know you can't talk about anyone specifically or whatever, but like, uh, maybe do you have like a, another like success story that would be cool to hear? Just like maybe someone that was like down in the dumps or, you know, for whatever reason was, uh, doing poorly. And then there was like a, a moment where they, like a, a realization and then they were able to kind of like find mm-hmm. their path. Yeah. Let me think. Um, yeah, I think, one of the biggest things is this, this woman came in and she's had an idea for years of creating her own kind of women's circles, women events. And, but it never had gotten off the ground and she wasn't quite confident in herself, didn't quite believe in herself. And then through the retreat, she just like saw herself and I knew it. She's like, wait, I can totally do this. I can do this. And she, she even felt more powerful. And the thing about the retreat is it's not like a cure-all. Right. But I think it shows you a glimpse of what's possible inside of yourself and inside of your life. And then the work starts when you get back to the after the retreat of like, OK, I've seen where I'm going. I've seen what's possible. How do I get there? Um, which is why follow on coaching is so important. But so she was at the retreat. She's like, wow, like I've seen what I, I can totally do this. And then she went back um, to New York and she built this whole women's circle and women's event. And now it's like, tons of people are part of it and she's really changing people's lives back in New York. And I would say those are the kinds of women I like to work with the most that are leaders in their own right. Yeah. That need kind of a place to come back to remember who they are and then go back out and change the world. Um, and also, I guess like on the, uh, the other side of that too, like just, I know you don't deal with a lot of men, but like mm-hmm. just maybe, uh, just for a little, like, is there like maybe one story of a man where you can uh, say like, well, this is, this is a, an occurrence with a man. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> I had a man I was helping to date and he, it's kind of funny. He had some similar challenges where he would go into dating with like, all right, how do I analyze and like predict what's the right thing to say so that she likes me so that she'll like go on a first date with me. And he was like really in his head like trying to figure out a strategy for dating. Yeah. I think I know this dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it was working like he was getting dates, but he was so exhausted from trying to fi- like think so hard about it. Yeah. And so what I helped him do is just like relax and like sink down into his being and himself. And then just approach dating, like playful research of just like a chance to explore and try new things. And like, get to know people and maybe he likes them, maybe he doesn't. Um, And instead of focusing so much on how do I get her to like me, he started focusing more on like, wait, who do I like? Who do I want to spend more interest, like attention around? And he felt way more empowered and then way more confident um, in dating around that and had a lot more fun. It was a lot lighter after we worked together. I think that's like a a really important people to like take away too is, uh, I guess it's the uh, the attitude of abundance, mm-hmm. uh, like and in, in not believing that there's a scarcity of mm-hmm. opportunities for you to enjoy your life or to you know. Yeah, well, I guess that's kind of what you're saying too. That uh, to stop thinking that like this is a a mission <laughs> or what you know like 
you're not on a you're not on a secret mission to catch the one only one person you could possibly date. You got to like get out and have some fun. That's I mean that's what yeah. that's what dating should be. It should be it should be fun. Right. You're just playing. You know, you're just like playing and seeing who's interesting and who vibes with you. And but I think it comes down to fundamentally trusting both that there's enough people out there that you don't have to like track down and hunt for the perfect person. Yeah. And two, trusting yourself that like you're attractive enough, right? Mm-hmm. That you're magnetic enough. And so um yeah, you don't have to strategize so much. Your being is naturally attractive. I love that. <laughs> Hold up. It's time to reach into the mailbag. Every week on My Views Are My Own, we check the mailbag to see if anyone has written into the show, and then we uh, read it out loud. So uh, this week, we've got a special one from Jade. Jade wrote, <clears throat> With me being a dancer, obviously, whatever you want to call it, I find the psychology aspect of how some guys are willing to pay so much just for some attention from a sex woman so amusing. To be completely honest, I only put up this Instagram in hopes of finding a few men who will pay to sext and pay for pics slash videos. I'm basically looking for an online sugar daddy, laughy face. So if you talk to that sexual wellness coach and want to give a little shout out to my page, that would be greatly appreciated. You could even make it into a joke when you bring it up. If not, I understand too. Just thought I'd give it a shot to help expand my search. Laugh my ass off. Well, Jade, I told you I'd shout you out, so I turned you into a mailbag. Uh, and the shout out is jade.alicious11 uh, on Instagram. <laughs> and that's mailbag. Now back to the interview. All right. Well, uh, so do you feel like you're ready for the, li- the lightning round? I'm ready. It's a little intense. I got to okay. admit. And this one's more intense than uh, a lot of the previous ones because this is like, uh, these are like sayings that have been r- around forever. Okay. So what we'll do is I'm going to give you a series of phrases and terms that I've heard through the years about love and relationships and sexuality. Okay. And you're going to tell me on a scale of one to 10, if it's true or false. So like, uh, okay. 10 would be a hundred percent true and one would be total bullshit. Okay. So, so like, it's like, so there's no black and white. So like, you don't have to go like true, false, true, false. It's just, uh, you could be like, well, you know, oh, unless like, unless for, unless I say something that you're like, oh, that's absolutely true or that's absolutely bullshit. Uh, <laughs> do you want to so get into it? Absolutely true. One is not at all true. Yeah. One would be like, that is a terrible thing to say. And uh, 10 would be like, uh, that should be one of your guidelines in life. Does that make okay. sense? Okay. Totally. I love it. Can I explain to you why I give that rating? Oh, absolutely. And also, okay. I, I want to give you the opportunity also to say, um, you could say pass. You could say, okay. I prefer not to rate that particular saying because <laughs> that is not uh, something I uh, mess with or whatever. All right. okay. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. <clears throat> Welcome to the lightning round, Megan. This is the this is the game part of the podcast. I, I have you. a feeling you're going to win. All right. <clears throat> First one: the grass is always greener. Oh, uh, I would say a six because you, it's pretty common. I think, especially in the Tinder age, people are like, "Oh, this relationship's getting challenging. I'll just move on to the next one." Um, 
I think it's a common mindset, but I, I think the grass is greener where you water it. Would you say that like, but though, like, I guess, I guess, you know what we're going to do? Uh, like normally I just go lightning round, but I kind of want to get into some of these and that's one of them. I was like, cause <clears throat> obviously sometimes the grass must be greener on the other side. Cause what if you're like in a really shitty relationship and then, then like, there's someone that's like way better and you're like, uh, that grass is greener and you're not wrong. It's not just because you're on the yeah. other side. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say too, in that case, I didn't, I shouldn't um, have chimed in, but I, I did. No, no, no. It's, it's a good one. It's a good one. If you're with someone and it's dysfunctional and you don't like it and you're like, Oh, maybe there's someone else that I could be happier with. I'm like, maybe there's someone else you could be happier with, but have you done the inner work to be a happier person to be around that person? Does that make sense? That does make sense. I think we're often like, oh, I'll just change people. I'll change the other person instead yeah. of being like, oh, what in me needs to change for me to be happier? Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> we're going to go with six. Okay. All yeah, right. so. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, bros before hoes. Oh, <laughs> that's and, such a. <laughs> but, it's, but it's been said, I've, I've heard people say that. Literally, I'm going to guess in my life, I've heard that said 10,000 times. Really? Uh, ballpark. Okay. Okay. Well, here's what I, I'm going to give that one, a, honestly, an eight. And here's why. Wow. I know, right? Because real bros, I think though. Like if, you're, if, they're, if they're real bros. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, why, why, why for you? Because I think that one of the keys to a good intimate relationship is really powerful friend relationships, like for both people, like her having her girlfriends that she can vent with and cry with and watch rom-coms with and go shopping with so that she doesn't have to do all that with her man is really important. And him so that he can like sort things out and tussle with and watch action movies with and do whatever man stuff he does. I'm like, that's a huge, um, that's really important in relationships that you've got your own people to go to for different stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's another one of those, like I mean, it goes for women too. There's a bunch of rhymes that have been made for women. I, I think the most popular one is uh chicks before dicks. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah. like what you're saying, I totally agree with. Yeah. And I would just say, can't you have chicks and dicks? Like, <laughs> can't you have both? Can you have bros and hoes? <laughs> I guess, like, I guess why, that's why that's a, actually, you know, this was going to be the lightning round, but now we're like really going to get into it. Uh, that's a complex question because like, I have a personal experience. I had a friend and mm-hmm. his girlfriend was awful. And I don't like to like throw around the word, like the term sociopath often, mm-hmm. just like uh, flippantly. But that was my opinion of his girlfriend. And I was like, dude, you got to stop. And it was like, but she was like, she, her whole thing, she was alienating him from every, like all his friends and then his family. And then it was like, he was isolated. And then finally, like, then he caught on. But, uh, so. Yeah. So that's, that's a bros. Like if you listen to me in the beginning, maybe that wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's for sure a warning sign when your significant other wants to separate you from people that are close to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But then the other thing I would say is like, what part of him was interested in psychopaths, right? Like, why did he stay with the woman that had so many warning signs? I don't that's, know. That's, that's, that's what I would say his work is. I guess at. I didn't really delve into his, his psyche other than the fact that, like, 
I wanted him back as a friend and I felt like she was killing him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't believe in victims. So I'm like two people okay. get locked. Dysfunctional. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, both are at play. I mean, that was his choice. And also it was his choice to cut out his friends. And so, yeah. Also, he's probably gonna listen to this and be like, you asshole. <laughs> I'm not saying any names. Uh, uh, so where do, where do we go with that? Like a six? I forgot. I forgot where we landed there. Oh no, I said an eight. Yeah, I would say that's that's a solid eight right there. Mm. All right, here's a here's a, a one uh, I've never said, but it's been said. Never chase a man. Uh, I would actually give that one. I would give that one a seven or an eight too. Really? I know. Yeah, and here's why. Because it's really easy um, for both men and women, but for some reason I see it a lot with women, to chase uh, unavailable men, men that aren't that interested in them. And they're using it to kind of like validate their own self-worth. Like if I can get him to like me, then I'll feel good about myself. Okay. And I would say that is a losing game. Because even if you you get him to like you, then, you know, it's, but it's really, it's a shaky sense of self-worth. And so I would say, if he doesn't see your value, you don't need to convince him. Awesome. And in the act of convincing, we lose a lot of our self-worth. So that's why I would so highly. I have nothing to add to that. So would we give that an eight? Yeah, I said like an eight. All right. All right. So everyone, you've heard it here first. It's an eight. Never chase a man. That means there is only two out of 10 op- like reasons why you would ever chase a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will, say, I will say one more nuance to that is she can stand firmly in her desire. So like with my partner, right? He was like, I don't want a relationship. I don't want to commit. And after a couple months, I didn't want to either. After a couple months, I was like, all right, I want a relationship now. And I didn't chase him. I didn't try to convince him or persuade him. But I was like, this is where I am and you can come and meet me or not. And he did eventually. And so I wouldn't call it chasing, but I would say that there's a certain like, this is what I want. This is my standard. This is my invitation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, there's a nuance, but there's, yeah. but like the general, just like chasing a dude that's, that seems unavailable or uninterested or whatever, like, Solid eight, like in the in the the uh, the two left over. That's nuance. So yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of disempowering to chase a man. You're Absolutely. beautiful. You're you don't need to convince him. Um. All right. Moving on. All right. <clears throat> size matters. Oh, I'm guessing you mean cock size. I. Yeah. Sure. Well, I would assume that exactly. Yeah. But then as soon as I said it, I was like a bunch of other things could matter that are in size, but let's just talk about dicks for now. Dicks. Okay. Dicks. Dick size matter. Um, I would say three or four, three, because here's what I would say. Have you heard of big dick energy? Uh, yes. I actually use the term small dick energy often. Um, oh, for dudes that own uh, large pickup trucks that they take the mufflers off of to make them sound like motorcycles and they drive <laughs> down the street and it bugs me and I call them small dick energy guys. But yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't do that. It's uh, Now that I'm looking at you and I'm realizing that I'm probably making a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little judgy, but 
you know, so that's why I gave it such a low rating. It's like your physical size of your cock, like doesn't matter very much, but your energetic size of your presence and your like ability to penetrate like the moment and her and like feel what she's feeling underneath. And like that matters a lot, but luckily that's something that you can learn. It's a skill that you can develop. You can learn to have big dick energy. You can learn to have that kind of like powerful masculine vibe, no matter what your physical size is. Let's, let's try to like, imagine like a really great dude, like just someone that's like, uh, uh, first thing that comes to mind for me would be like, this happened like so long ago, but like Brad Pitt had like a, uh, a nude photo leaked of him, like on a balcony. And like, he doesn't have like a gigantic dick. Mm. <laughs> but I guess okay. that's like a great example of like size does not matter because I can't. And I mean, like Brad Pitt's not for everyone, but I know he's for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So that's a great example. of. And also, if Brad Pitt, if you're listening to this, I don't know what your dick actually looks like. <laughs> I just saw this photo. It's probably Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, you know, besides the energy, there's a whole lot of things you can do sexually uh, to make it feel, to give her pleasure, no matter what size you are. Yeah, like be Brad Pitt. <laughs> be Brad <bad> Pitt. <laughs> learn Tantra, learn breathing, learn positions, yeah. learn your fingers and your tongues and all the other things, right? So awesome. even if you're on the smaller side, you don't have to settle. <laughs> I'm very stoked on that one. So we're giving that a three. Size matters, Ooh. people. Ooh, it's a three. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, here's one. <clears throat> there is somebody for everybody. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give that one a two. And here's why. Okay, I, I think there are many people for everybody. I think okay, there's many, yeah. many people you can be compatible with. Um, if you're willing to be open, like I actually, I believe love is all around. Your potential partners are all around you. And it's just the internal psychological walls that we have that keep us from seeing that and feeling that. So I don't believe in the one, really. That was amazing. Or soulmates. Honestly, I'm I'm with you 100 on that one. Let's give that a two. I'll give it a, I'll give it a one. No, <laughs> but it's oh. not up to me. Not up to me. It's up to you. You know, yeah, two two is safe because there's always like, uh, who knows? Uh, I was right. weird vibes when I met my fiance. I was like, whoa. I feel like I like knew you before, even though oh. I'd never met. So I think sometimes there's like, there's something deeper at play, but. Um, also disclaimer, if nobody, if somebody hasn't noticed, I didn't make up these terms. <laughs> Next one. Uh, there is somebody, wait, no, that was, I did that one. Sorry. <clears throat> Self-love is the best love. <laughs> uh, five. If, because I agree and disagree equally. So I think self-love feeds all of your relationships, right? Like, do you feel um, like you are the source of the love in your life? Because you are, right? You're like the sun looking out and being like, wow, the sun is shining. Or there's sunshine all around me. I wonder where it came from. Well, you're the sun. So that's what I would say. But then I would say self-love is not a substitute for friend love, family love, and romantic love. You can be a person full of self-love and still desperately want a partner that's okay yeah absolutely or you can be like a self-loathing person but have amazing friends never really great life (laughs) i don't know yeah i don't don't know if that's a true thing i just kind of 
shot it from the <laughs> hip. All right, moving on. Uh, this is from Tennyson. <clears throat> Tis better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. This is a personal one, um, I would okay. say, personal choice. But I totally believe the amount of heartbreak you're willing to let yourself feel is the amount of love that you're going to experience. Wow. And by that, it, because it's like, if you're, try, if you're constantly trying to protect yourself from getting hurt, protect yourself from getting hurt, you're not really allowing yourself to be vulnerable and to, be, um, to care deeply because you're in protective mode. And um, for me personally, I'm like, I want to give this life my all. I want to give my all of my love unguarded to as many people as I can, even if that means that I'm going to lose and get my heart broken and be devastated. Like that's, what's important to me. So, um, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> as a matter of fact, when I, uh, was like, should I have Lord Tennyson chime in here? I didn't know you were going to give like a really, really great answer. <laughs> but, uh, so what, what are we giving that? A, what are we giving that? Like a five, 10? Oh, like a nine. For a me. nine. Nine. Yeah. 9.3? Yeah, for sure. I would, I'm going to have to agree with you because, like, if you had never loved, then, like, how would you even, like, watch a movie and kind of know what the hell you're watching? Yeah. Like, you couldn't even enjoy Fight Club because you wouldn't even know why. Uh, back to Brad Pitt. But also, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, but, it's like uh, a deep human desire to love and be loved. And so yeah. you're missing. If you stay in protective mode of, like, oh, I don't want to get hurt, you're missing out on a huge part of the human experience. Yeah, I, I'm honestly, I can't think of even like, <clears throat> and I love like stupid, shitty action movies. I really do. But they like, yeah. even they don't leave love out of it. <laughs> yeah. So that would be like right. awful if you just couldn't even, you were like, oh, I've never loved anyone. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. Steven Seagal is all yeah, about. Over very here. lonely existence. <laughs> very uh, lonely. <clears throat> all right. I'm going to warn you. I'm opinionated about this one. Uh, okay. But I'm going to get it anyway. If you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Uh, okay. Well, if you can't handle it, you don't deserve me at my best. I'm going to give that one a four because Fair. a four, because I think on one hand there is true. Like you want someone that loves all of you, right? You're light, you're dark, you're shadow, your brilliance, like all of you. And I see a lot of people that are like really, uh, bitchy or destructive or whatever. It's like, well, you should love me. And I'm like, there's actually a level of personal responsibility there of like, if you are at your worst, you might need some support, some resources that your partner may or may not be able to provide you. Right. Like unconditional love is idea, but it's not real in my perspective. Like what's so crazy. This was supposed to be the lightning round. And yet, like, you've changed my opinion, like, several times. And that, once again, I was going to throw that one a two at best. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I was like, you're right. I mean, like, there's there's definitely circumstances. I, I was like, what I was thinking was people that just are, like, temper tantrums and awful. Yeah. And, like, but they can be great. But it comes at a cost or a price. And I'm like, oh, that's... That's silly. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't even like think about love as much as your partner as you can. And if you see something, you're like, I am having a hard time loving that. That's okay (laughs) too. That's normal. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, then we're gonna give that four. All right. uh, Last one. Uh, This is from the uh, from the internet. (laughs) Uh, Anything can be a dildo if you're brave enough. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I give that one a 10. Oh, we did this my <laughs> retreat of like, what's been one of the weirdest ways you've self-pleasured? And there's some really interesting ways. So. Oh, can you share one or can you not? <laughs> oh, I mean, the most common ones, jacuzzis, you know, the steam jets. But oh. I'm just, I'm all for creativity when it comes to sexuality. If you want to use it, go for it. And as long as it doesn't harm anyone, go for it. Yeah. Bravery. Courage. Courage. <laughs> Courage and creativity. <laughs> cool. Megan, that was all well, the questions I had for you. Great. That uh, was really fun. <laughs> it has been fantastic having you on the uh, podcast. And it was really fun. And I honestly, I actually feel like I learned, which is really nice. I love feeling like I learned. Um, before, um, before you go, uh, just... For people that like want to like check out more of what you got to say, um, your podcast again is Touchy Topics with Megan Lambert, and uh, your website is MeganDLambert.com. I'll uh, I'll send you the link right now so you have it. And yeah, yeah I'll put it. I'll put that in the. Uh, sorry, what? I'm doing a free challenge next week around eros, around eroticism, getting to know your own eroticism. So. Cool. I will get this out as soon as possible. Um, oh, are there any other uh, places people can check you out uh, besides uh, besides your podcast, besides your website? Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, I have a Facebook group, Life Led by Desire, but probably Instagram is the best way. You can just find me at Megan D. Lambert. Awesome. Um, Megan, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> this is really fun. And also like, just like, I don't know, it was just great being like, oh, this is some pretty like uh, deep stuff I needed to hear anyway. Like I'm going to go out and live a better life now. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> cool. So, well, uh, tell Colleen too. Sending you guys lots of love. Thank you. <laughs>